You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. If you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word, and you can actually read together out loud uh, this passage, which is the Lord's Prayer. We stand to honor the reading of God's Word because we believe it is authoritative. I, especially today, emphasize I have nothing good to offer you than what's inside this book. And so if, you will, if you'd like to read out loud with me, feel welcome to. If you'd rather not, that's okay too. The words will be on the screen. We'll turn our eyes to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. So I thought about this day a lot over the past four weeks and um, wrestled with, well, we have an important, and, you know, an important announcement to, to make today. So do we do the announcement first, or do we turn our eyes upon the Scriptures first? And my MO has always been, I am primarily here to help you see God, to help you know Him, and uh, to help you worship Him, and to help you grow in Him. And um, that is my primary role. When Paul instructed Timothy... In 2 Timothy, as he, Paul, was anticipating his death, he instructed young Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. My mentor said, Keith, preach the word. Don't offer people slop. <laughs> you give them the scriptures, and if you have to preach on ashes, then preach on ashes, you must. And that's always haunted me in a good way. And so that's my hope this morning, is I want you to see God. And uh, it just so happens that we have been planning this, you know, as we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, been planning to just take our time through the Lord's Prayer. Ironically, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. And and so it couldn't be more appropriate. I am just blown away how the Lord lines things up to just speak to the hearts of his people. And so the sermon will be shorter than usual. Um, that won't be the norm. <laughs> but it will be shorter than usual just to save time for, for our announcement at the end. So the only other gospel that includes the Lord's Prayer is the Gospel of Luke. I'm kind of inclined to think that maybe Jesus, obviously Jesus included it in his Sermon on the Mount. It's interesting that it's just about center in the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and then when we read it in Luke, it, it, Jesus says the same thing, the same prayer, but in response to the disciples asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so I think 
This is something that the Lord used probably multiple times. Not as a mantra, not as something that, that should be always just repeated without a whole lot of thought put into it. It primarily is a model for how we should pray. And, and for the weeks to come, we're just as long as it takes us to get through it, we're just going to unpack each, each statement in light of when we approach this God who we're invited to call Father, how are we to pray? And so at the, at the very beginning of it, our Father. You know, uh, A.W. Tozer said something to the effect of that the most important thing about a person is what that person thinks or perceives God to be like. And, and here, our, our, our King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, he, he gives us a model here of how to pray, and the, and the way that we begin is with our Father, which is just staggering if you think about it, because you know, this, is a, this is a sermon that Jesus preached for us, for followers of Jesus. This is not for the world, this is for the disciple. And, and when we pray, we can go to the one who spoke the galaxies into existence, and we can call him Father. And that should just bring all kinds of, uh, of thoughts to your mind. Like, he's a good father. I don't know if you've, you know, growing up, if you had a bad father, but, but, but the God who spoke the galaxies into existence and invites us to call him Father, he is good. He is good. We're not disassociated from the family. We are a member of the family. He is our dad. He uh, purchased us and redeemed us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and what binds us together is just that. It doesn't matter what your background is, where you came from, what your cultural background is, what your ethnicity is. Our colors are the same. They're red, the blood of Jesus Christ. Our tribe is the same, the tribe of Judah, the one that Jesus belongs to. And everyone in this room and watching the live stream who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters. We're to be known by our love for one another. We're to be known for our charitable kindness towards one another. just like we would for any other member of our biological family. And so the very beginning here, our Father just elicits in us a, the, the response, well, well, to whom are we praying? Well, we pray to the God who spoke the galaxies into existence. And so I was just thinking about that. I was thinking, okay, so we call this one Father, this God. What does that mean? Well, I just went through all the different names of God in the Bible as I was reflecting uh, on you know, the sermon. And, uh, and to be honest with you, <laughs> I, uh, it's been a really busy week and uh, a hard week. And I didn't sit down. I really didn't know, you know how to go about this passage until yesterday. And as I was reflecting, I was thinking, of, okay, the names of God, what are they? Well, at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 is Elohim. Well, what does that 
say about this one that we are to call Father? Well, our Father is the Creator God who spoke the galaxies into existence only by the word of His mouth. That's our Father. He spoke something into existence that did not exist. That's our Father. When there didn't seem to be any way, He spoke, and then there was a way. He created the heavens and the earth. The author of Hebrews says this in, 11, in chapter 11, verse 3. And this is, I only have one slide, by the way. Um, the manuscript will be on, on the webpage if you want to look up the, the verses. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen uh, was not made out of things that are visible. And, you know, how long did it take him to create everything? Well, according to the Word of God, six days. I believe that with all my heart. Well, why do you believe that, Pastor Keith? Well, because he can do it. <laughs> That's why I believe it. He's capable. For in six days, we read in Exodus chapter 20, for in six days the Lord, Yahweh, made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. This is the God that we call Father. Our, our Heavenly Father is uh, El Elyon. What does that mean? That means he's the most high God. There is no one like him. There is no one that could be compared to him. He is God. He is the most high God. We read this in, the, in Isaiah 46. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. And, and what's so encouraging about that, brothers and sisters, is that he says he will accomplish all of his purposes, and if, if he is the one who invites us to call him Father, you better believe that all of his purposes for you are good. Maybe not what you want, maybe not what you envisioned, but his purpose for your life is good. Like I, I, that's why I keep preaching to my own heart. God doesn't need to improve upon himself. I need to get better at being good. I'm flawed. I, 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 have a, uh, I can have a warped view of what justice looks like. I can have a skewed vision of what holiness looks like for me. But God is perfect in every way, and, and, and this is the God who's the most high God. But that's not the only name that we are introduced to in the Bible. He is the God also known as El Roy. You know what that means? It means he's the God who sees. I don't know all that you're dealing with right now. I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago. But he sees you. He sees you. I'm reminded of Proverbs 24. Like he sees all things. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? God is the God who sees. He's also El Shaddai. He's El Shaddai. He's God Almighty, but it also means that he's the God who is all-sufficient, the all-sufficient one. Like, think about that for a moment. Nothing is lacking with him. Like, 
He, he, he doesn't make a promise that he cannot keep. He is faithful even when we're faithless. And he is the God who shows up every time. Not on our terms, but on his. And this is the name that God used to remind Abraham that, that he does what only he can and will do it in his own perfect time. And he's also Yahweh. And it's a, like that's the most, like, that's his covenantal name. It's his holy name. I mean, there's, you know, the, the scribes of, you know, for, for centuries, before there was the printing press, when they would copy the, uh, the, the words of the Old Testament, every time they came to Yahweh, they would, before they wrote Yahweh, they would start with a new pen and fresh ink. He is the covenant-keeping God. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And, when Mo, and he said to Moses, oh, you know, I'm going I'm to use you, Moses, and you're flawed, be, you, know, you, you stutter, I get that. But I'm going to use you, and I'm going to lead you, I'm going to use you to lead my people, my Hebrew people, out of the bondage of slavery. And Moses said, you know, asked, well, well, who do I say sent me to them? Because like at this point, Moses was 80 years old. He'd been shepherding for like 40 years in the, in the desert. He's in hiding because he had murdered an Egyptian guard. God said, you tell them I am who I am. And he said, and God said, say this to the people of Israel, I am who I am has sent me to you. I am the God who promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that, that their descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the, on the shore. And that I keep my promises. He's not only the covenant-keeping God, he's so much more. And there are a whole series of names, a whole bunch of names with, that, are, that are attached to Yahweh. Yeah, like Yahweh Jireh. You, know, you may have heard of Jehovah Jireh. They would, um, out of respect for the name Yahweh, over the centuries, they would instead of, you know, they would write down Yahweh, but they would say Jehovah. And so, um, so maybe you've heard Jehovah, but it's Yahweh Jireh. You know, our Father who provides. Our Father provides. He provides for his children. And then there's Yahweh Rapha. You know, our Father who heals his children. And then there's Yahweh Nisi, our Father whose children can find their identity in him, in God. Then there's Yahweh uh, Mekadishkin, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Our Father who sanctifies his children. Then there's Yahweh Shalom, our Father who gives peace to his children. Then there's Yahweh Sabiath, our Father who is a refuge. It's, a, it's used in Psalm 46, one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. He is our refuge and he is our strength. He is a present help in the day of trouble. And though the sea give way and everything just came, seems like it's just melting away and dissolving into the sea, he is a God who we can take refuge in and find security in. He is Yahweh Sabiath. He is Yahweh Ra, our Father who is the Good Shepherd. Yeah? The 23rd Psalm. You know, the one that Jesus alluded to in John chapter 10 when he said, I am the Good Shepherd. 
Everybody got angry, like all the religious leaders that heard him, they got really angry over that because they knew what he was saying. I am the good shepherd of Psalm 23. He's a good shepherd. He guides his children. And uh, I, I just had a phone call. My dear friend Paula, I've known for, well, since 2004. She was a member at Northwest Baptist Church, the first church I have served as a lead pastor. She celebrated, well, she's going to celebrate in February her 101st birthday. She's going to be 101. When I, um, when I made a difficult decision of stepping down from, from Missio Day Fellowship, the church I planted, after that discussion with our board of elders in April of 2018, there were three people that I told first that this was happening, and Paula was one of them. And all three of those ladies, they sat in the row, I call it the row of old ladies. <laughs> not, in a, not, in a, not in a disrespectful way, they were just, they came from Northwest, they sat in a movie theater when we started, like when we had our services in a movie theater. Um, they had kind of seen it all. I sat down with them, and uh, all three of them made me promise that no matter wherever I landed, that I would find a way to do their funerals. And I swore to them I would. Paula of the three, now you got to imagine, Paula is the, the, the sweetest human being on planet Earth, in my opinion. She, uh, she was in a car accident. She couldn't, she couldn't really get around because her equilibrium was all messed up, so she sat in a wheelchair and she would shimmy around when we were meeting at a school. She would shimmy herself around in a wheelchair just to say hello to everybody. And um, she's just so loved. She called me this week. And uh, sometimes I try to call her. Sometimes she'll call me. And we regularly talk. And, um, well, her daughter called for her because she can't dial the, use the phone. And she said, Mom wants to talk to you. Okay, and this was Friday night, this past Friday. And she said, Paula got on the phone and she said, Keith, I'm just not myself. And she said, I'm just angry and I've been cursing. Which, if you know Paula, that's like not Paula. I almost wanted to laugh because I just couldn't imagine. Are you, did you just say you, you know, so it just caught me off guard. And, and she just asked, will you just pray for me? I just wanted to hear your voice, and I want you to pray for me. And I did. I, I prayed for her. And I said, Paula, can I, can I just read to you my favorite passage, which she knows. It's Romans chapter 8. Everybody who knows me knows Romans chapter 8 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. And I read these words to her. I said, Paula, before I read them, I said, Paula, God knows your heart. He knows that you're frustrated. Like, I've never seen somebody so angry about living. Like, she just wants to be with Jesus. She's just like, I want to be with Jesus. I want to see him. I want to worship him. I can't wait to be there. Why am I, like last birthday, we were at her birthday party for her 100th. So why is God letting me live till I'm 100? I don't know, <laughs> but it's cool. 
Like how many people could say they listen when they're 100 and be really sharp um, mentally? And, and so I read these, these words to her, and I said, Paula, God knows, but I want to read this passage to you. That For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And she just was crying. And she said, thank you. Can I call you at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning when I get up so that you can pray for me again? So yesterday morning at 9.30, I called her and I prayed with her again. This is the God that we call Father. He sees us. He loves us. He's a refuge and our strength. He's the good shepherd. And even when you're 101, almost 101 and about to, I'm just going to give it to her. She's 101. <laughs> She's earned that. Um, when you're 101, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And even in the midst of that, she can sense that he is with her. He is also Yahweh Siskinu, which is the one who is our righteousness. He's our righteousness. The righteousness that we gain through Jesus Christ alone. He is our righteousness. And then I got to thinking, okay, so he's not only you know, Yahweh, he's not only Elohim, and he's also Adonai. He is Adonai. Our Heavenly Father is Adonai. Well, what does that mean? That means he is the sovereign one. It's used, I think, over 400 times in the Old Testament. He is the sovereign one. And, and, and so he, he doesn't take naps. He doesn't go on vacation. He is in control. He is the one we follow as he leads us. Even when it means that we must walk through, you know, on paths or journeys or even the valley of shadow of death and we just can't see what's in front of us. He is Adonai. He is Adonai. I keep going back to that. He is Adonai. You know, and I just was thinking, okay, so he's Adonai, but he's Adonai who's also Elohim, who was about to bring in, who, who was able to bring into existence that which did not exist. He is Adonai who's also El, Elion, which is interesting because that, that name is used in Psalm 57. I don't have time to read the whole psalm to you, but, but read it sometime. David wrote that psalm. I don't know if he wrote it while in the cave hiding from King Saul, who, this guy that wanted to kill David, or he's just reflecting upon that experience when he went into hiding because Saul was looking for him while David was in that cave. But he wrote Psalm 57, and in that psalm, he said, you are El Elyon, you are, you are the Most High God. And um, this man might mean ill for me, but you're my, you're my father. You're my daddy. You're, you're the God who sees when nobody else sees. Even in this dark cave, you see me. Adonai is El Roy, who comforted Hagar. Remember that story? That's the first time, and I believe the only time that name is used. When Hagar was being uh, mistreated by Sarah, she just because because they 
came up with this plan that Hagar, the servant, would that, that she could you know, be in Sarah's place so they can have a ch- so they can have a child. What everybody else was doing, so it made sense, you know, to them. And Hagar was the victim here, and she had this child, and um, and felt like she had no place to go. And God met her in her pain and said, I am the God who sees. I see what's happening in your life. And then Adonai is El Shaddai, who was able to follow through with his promise that he made to Abraham and Sarah. Even though you are way, way past the age of being able to have a child, Sarah, this thing's going to happen. Why? Because I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God who is sufficient. All sufficient. It's a picture of it's also a picture of um, when like, uh, a baby is being nursed by, by his or her mother. But everything that that child needs is at the, the breast and the chest of his or her mother. God is El Shaddai. He's also Yahweh, who's able to take a stuttering 80-year-old who's washed up, fearful, Afraid to do to do anything other than shepherd and use him to lead his lead his his kinsmen out of Egypt. And I just remember that story. Like he had a bunch of plagues that um, he probably didn't think were possible. Then he wound up with all the people just right up against the Red Sea. What are we going to do now, Moses? Moses is like. Um, God, God's going to do something. Well, what is he going to do, Moses? Um, you'll see. <laughs> like, and Moses had to pray, and then they started, they started grumbling. And, then, and what happened? God parted the Red Sea and delivered his people through the sea. It's a really interesting picture. It's like uh, the picture of Israel, all of Israel walking through the Red Sea as it's parted is a picture of a birth canal. So that's the imagery. And they're being delivered as the people of God into the promised land. Took them a while to get into the promised land, like 40 years, but um, they got there. And that's who he is. He's Yahweh. And he is Adonai, the one who we call Father. You know, every time we pray, he is Adonai. The point that Jesus is making here is that God is approachable, and he invites you to call him Father and in, all, in other places in Scripture, not only just Father, but we can call him Daddy. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're sons of God, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received his spirit of adoption as sons, as daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's, that's, that's just two words out of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, you know, who's in heaven. And, I, and the reason why Jesus is, you know, uses you know, not just our Father, but attaches it to the one who's in heaven is that he's alive. He's a living. And he causes people to do things that sometimes they don't, just doesn't make sense. Sometimes he calls us to do things that make absolute sense. But often, you know what I've experienced? Often it's when we follow him, my experience has been most of the time you cannot see his hand in it until you're able to look back. 
usually looking forward, it's like, where is he? And we just have to follow him. I've experienced that over and over again. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. You are at and I. Lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.